with uh, Sunday school, and hopefully you'll be a blessing. about you to honor you and worship you lord and we just give you all the honor and praise um we just thank you so much and it's in jesus name we pray amen <clears throat> huh really i'm not even on anymore yeah it's red okay New to new to me. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to be starting uh, judges, uh, going through there, learning about that. And if you can open up to uh, judges, judges chapter one. Judges chapter one, and. We will start in uh, verse 19 and go into uh, right into chapter 2. Um, and the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out, uh, drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled thence the three sons of Anak. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jesuits, that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to, to describe Bethel. Now the name of the city before was Luz. And the spies saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance into the city, and we will show thee mercy. And when he showed them the entrance into the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let go the man and all his family. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name thereof Luz, which is the name thereof unto this day. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethsheen and her towns, nor Tanak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Iblim and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Acho, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor Ahab, nor of Akazib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Reob. But the Asherites dwell among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Bethshemoth, nor the inhabitants of Bethanath, but he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemeth and Bethaneth 
became tributaries unto them. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. But the Amorites would dwell in the mountain of Harris, of Agilon, and of Sheblim. Yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so that they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up to the Akrabim, from the rock and upward. And an angel of the Lord came upon from Gilgag of Bochum, and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice, and you have ye done this. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. As we go into the book of Judges, we're leaving where Joshua left off. Now Joshua's uh, old at this time. They split up the land. And they were supposed to do some things. When they went in with Joshua, they took care of, uh, you know, they went to Jericho. They took care of certain tribes. They went through and they did what God ordered them to do. They obeyed him. But as we get going... And we get in the Judges, we see as time goes by, Joshua, you know, he gets old, he goes, he ends up, you know, dying. And we see that with Joshua, that the conquest, it was a straightforward and through conquest of all the enemies. Right? I mean, you see that with Joshua. God said it, did it, boom, right through it. But with Judges... We see this whole lengthy process and this gradual process uh, for them to try to get the inhabitants out because it's the lack of their obedience. It's their lack of obedience and faith and, and honestly, silence. Um, in uh, Judges 2, in verse 10, it says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. See, so, so you get this because people were silent. Joshua's not there leading them anymore. Um, so they, they really have nobody to look to. They're, they're all split up. They're not all together like they were. All the tribes were together, which made it easier for Joshua to tell them, you know, what God wanted them to do and all that. Now they're on their own. They got, they have their orders of what, hey, go in here. You know, you guys go in here and take care of these people. Okay, this tribe's got this over here. You take care of them and do what I ask. Uh, Judges 17.6 says, In these days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, and that's basically how we live our lives, I mean, if we're honest. Uh, the world does it, and Christians are no different. Uh, we start to live that way, like we don't have a king. We don't know where we're going, where we don't have, you know, our God's not that important to us. And that's what they start to do, and why? Because Joshua's gone. They have no leader. So they're looking around, acting like they don't know what to do, which they do, but they just don't care. They're just doing what they want to do. And because of this, they're not teaching the young about their God. They're not teaching them 
how to become close to God, how to walk with God, what to do, what not to do. And that's causing a big problem. And this is where you see judges all the way through. Because they didn't have a king, God had to raise up judges. He had to raise up people that were faithful people, that honestly, that were good people back then because that was, you know, works and faith, that would want to listen to God, that would want to get close to God. And, and that's what he did. And that's what we should do as Christians. As we get closer, as we, get, we want to get closer to God, that's what we should do. We should be picking out friends that are close to God. That want to get close to God. That want to know him. Because that will just help us. That will help us grow. It will help us be in a better place, in a better situation. But they didn't teach him. And we see what happens nowadays. I mean, you can look and imagine, just looking out at society, what it was like back then for them not teaching them. Because we can see it out there. I mean, in, in, in society now, it goes beyond that. I mean, they, they don't even want to teach them how to be, you know, what is right and wrong, let alone God. And then we see this big... You know, we, we see all these riots and all this and, and, you know, my rights outrank your rights. and It gets crazy. There's a reason why we need to teach children about God and why we need to raise them the right way and why we need to teach them to fear them. And not fear them just because, well, you should fear them. Fear them because he's the one that gave everything for you. He's the one that holds you together daily. He holds everything together. It should be a, a, a good fear. Not only a good fear, but a, a fear of going, hey, if I do wrong, he could take me home if he wants to. But we see this. That was one of their problems with silence. Uh, Sin. Sin's their other problem. Uh, in verse uh, 2, in uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 11, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods, of the people that were around them, around about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. So we can see these guys just, they're doing what they want. They, they, they don't have any fear. They don't have anything. They don't know. They don't know who God is. So what they're doing is just going and because they didn't get rid of the inhabitants that they were supposed to get rid of, they're following them wrong, right? It's just it's just the way it is in life. Who you hang around with is who you're going to act like. I mean, you could, you know, you can come to church and, and act the way you're supposed to act. Why? Because you're around people that act that way. But if you're going out and, and going into the world and just hanging out wherever you want with people that do whatever you want, guess what you're going to do when you're not in church? Do whatever you want. So the importance is we really need to get close to God. That's, that's the key. We always got to get close to God. But we see this with judges. I mean, this is their problem. This is our problem. 
It really is sin. Right? He that saith he has no sin, lie and do not the truth. Right? I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we stop sinning. It means we have the choice not to stop sinning. It means we, the closer we get, the less likely we're going to let our flesh take over and cause that problem. And that's why God can truly see us as his children, as saints. Because he gave us that choice and the flesh no longer has to rule us. Which is why he's got to get rid of the flesh. But sin, sin plays, I mean, it just plays such an important part in all our lives and we take it, we just take it for granted that, you know, well, this isn't really a bad sin or this or that. And that's not how, that's not how it goes. Um, again, you know, in Proverbs, he talks about these things are abominate, you know, these six things, seven I hate. And first thing is lying, a lying tongue. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It's your walk with God and how what you're doing. And sin is sin. And that's how he sees it. But these guys don't know that. I mean, they might have a little bit, but nobody's there to lead them. Nobody's there to talk to them. Nobody's there to teach them. They're just forgetting about it. You know, nobody's sitting there saying, hey, you know... You should have been there when he parted that sea, because, boy, it was something. You're just going on about it. And because of that, in uh, Judges 2, and we'll go to uh, verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whatsoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them, evil as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Uh, basically, they're, they're becoming slaves to these other people. And that's, that's it's not a good place to go. They're putting themselves back under bondage of their people, the sin. We put ourselves back under that bondage freely and willingly. We have that choice, and we go, you know. And it, sometimes it's just, oh, you know, well, I don't know, Lord. When am I going to have a chance to do this again or that? And we know it's wrong. But hey, let's take it. And that's not, that's again, that's not where we should be. That's not how we should be living our lives. We should be living our lives free from that bondage. But they're falling under there. They're falling under the slavery. They're, they're under the control of, of, of heathens again. They're, go, they're going to these pagan gods. And nobody's there to tell them. So what's God got to do? God's got to bring somebody that says, hey, 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 hey. You know, I got to bring somebody in to tell you what's going on because obviously, you know, you guys can't grasp it what what you're supposed to do. And uh, and it isn't that us. I mean, it truly is. Everything we do, we don't we won't take the time to pray over over a matter that we think is small, 
But yet if it's a God that wants to be in our lives, that wants to know everything, to be personal, then it wouldn't be small to him. We just think it's small. And once we start doing that, we start doing what we want. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't, hey, should I do this, Lord? It's, no, I'm doing this. Why? No, well, because I think it's right. Right? But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Just because something's right doesn't mean the Lord wants you to do it. Might not be your place. He might have he might want you to do something else, but you're stuck on this. And there's where the problem lies, because you start coming back into slavery of people that have no idea who God is, that has no idea what he's capable of, no idea what his mercy, his love, or his wrath is like, they're gonna you're gonna follow these people. And little by little you're gonna start losing it and going, you know, well. This really ain't a big thing, right? I'm sure. I'm sure these people did something right that worship pagan gods, right? But it doesn't mean it was right in God's eyes. In uh, in Judges three. In verse 9 it says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Anthel, the son of Kenzaz, Caleb's younger brother. So, I mean, the easiest way to explain this is exactly how we live our lives. It's, oh, I love God. I love God. I want to serve God. I'm going to do what I want. And we start doing it. We start doing it. And then we start forgetting what God wants us to do and start serving in some other place just because it's right. Just because we think it's right. And then we start, you know, I mean, that is, that, that's sin in God's eyes. And you start falling back. And then what do we do? We cry out to God. How did I get here? Supplication. We take it to God and go, oh, and just like they are in the book of Judges, as they keep going and they go, okay, you know, here's a judge. All right, I'll get right with God. Start sliding off. Oh, here's another judge. I'll get right with God. Start sliding off. It's the same routine we get into. I love God. I'm going to serve God. Okay, I'm doing what God asked me to serve. Oh, look over there. I should serve over there too. And then you go over there. And then it's about you. And then you start falling off. And you start and you and you realize it. And then you start going, Oh Lord, help me. You start crying out to him. You start crying out for a supplication. And it says they that he brought a deliverer to the children of Israel. See, he had to bring judges there for their salvation. Why? Because it was works and faith. We have our deliverer. He died at Calvary and then rose three days later. We have a way better. We have a way better. We, we have that 
relationship. We have someone we can go to at any point in time to get right. And I love that fact. Doesn't mean we always do it, but we have that option. And we should take him on that option. Why? Because he doesn't want... He doesn't want the worst for us. He wants the best for us, just like he wanted the best for them. He knew that. He knew that there were going to be a thorn in their side. And uh, if you go to, uh, you know, yeah, we'll go to Numbers. If you go to Numbers 33... Numbers 33 and verse 33 and verse 55. And that says, But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. He warned them. He warned them right from the get-go. And everybody still drops off. I mean, you, we sat there and saw in Judges 1, right? Judah took care of it. Joseph took care of it. Manasseh didn't do it. Benjamin didn't do it. Why? And we're not talking about generations after where they forgot who the Lord were. We're talking about people that came right in. That God had warned, hey, you're going in there. You're talking right after Joshua split everything up and they went their way. And it's like, hey, by the way, when you're over there, you have to do this. The Lord has commanded it. So the warning, they didn't even listen to the warning. And then he warns them again in Judges. He warns them a few times in Judges. Hey, you got you to come back to me. You got to do what you got to do. Why? Because he knew. He knew that the people you choose to hang out with are going to influence you more than you think. That those around you, they're, they're going to. You know, but as Christians, we get into this habit. And, and I'm not saying don't. Don't go around lost people or nothing like that. You should. You should go. You should witness. You should do these things. But the problem comes from when that's who you want to hang out with. That's who you want to be around all the time. Right? And he's, he's warm. He's warm. And, and the thing is, is, we get warned. Right? Both our pastors stand up here and says, no, you, you know, Go witness, but don't don't do these things. And that's that's what we're doing. Why? Because we're gonna get influenced by it. But as Christians, we start to think, oh well, you know, right? We get back into the whole thing of, hey, I want to serve. No, no, no. I got this handled. I got this handled. They're not gonna affect me, right? Because I mean, we're just we're all too spiritual. We just, you know, no, we're not. We know better, but we don't choose that all the time. And that's what happens. We go in with good intentions, which mean nothing unless God says it. And we go in there with good intentions, and they end up changing us and doing that. And 
you can find you can find that all the time now. You can find that all the time with Christians now. I mean, because it's what's new. What's what's the new best thing? You can find people that are faithful to church every day. And what do they got to do? Well, I got to go, you know, I heard about this guy on YouTube. I got to go check him out. But you're spiritual, man. You know you, know you can handle it. Right? We can handle it. I go to a good church. I, I know what's right and what's wrong. So why do we got people leaving the church after they listen to somebody? Because you can't handle it. You don't. I don't, and that is the truth of the matter, right down to it. You do not need to study what's wrong to know what's right. You do not. You don't. I don't know how many times, because I belong to a good church, I have good pastors, that somebody will say something, and I'll follow along, and then all of a sudden, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. We know it. Now, what do you do from there? Do you indulge in it? Do you start talking to them about it? Go, oh, you know, I can, I can see that. I'm open-minded. I'll see that way. No, no, no. What did God tell you? What did God say? Because I guarantee you, God did not say, hey, indulge this guy. Because 90% of those guys out there preaching that stuff on YouTube, you're not going to change. They don't want to be changed. Why? Because it's all about them, because of how much they studied, how much they learned. They took Greek. They took Hebrew. So they know better. You don't. Right? Because you don't have a Bible in front of you that you can't read. You need that Greek. You need that Hebrew. Now, I'm not saying Greek and Hebrew are wrong. I mean, you know... By far, it's kind of cool to learn some of these words. It's like, oh, this is what it means in Hebrew. Oh, wow. You know, that's, that's cool, but you don't need that. And these are what they're, that's what they're doing, that's, and that's what we're doing. We, we can see it. You know, history repeats itself, and that's what it does. That's why God had to send a Savior, because he knew. Because even though I'm going to send my Savior, I know they're still going to mess up. I'm going to send my son, but hey, they're going to mess up again. But he loves you that much to keep going. And that should, that should encourage you, that he loves you enough to, to keep you going, to keep you in church, to keep you going. You know what? Okay, I may have just failed, but he's still speaking to me. And he's telling me I got to go back. He's telling me I got to repent. He's telling me I got I, I to get back right with him. And that should encourage you. Why? Because he'll never leave you nor forsake thee. And that's him doing that. But we're seeing all these, all these people, and they're, they're supposed to be doing it. They're not. They're not teaching other... The ones that do know what to do, they're not teaching the young ones what to do. And we go on. Um, you know, I <clears throat> I got Jack and Sean, and they both know that alcohol is a drug. They both know. I grew up with that. I didn't know. 
But you know what? I told them, and they know that it's bad, that you're going to do dumb things, you're going to do stupid things. You know, they're not shy about it. They see, they, if, they, if they catch a glimpse of a beer, this or that, it's, oh, look at that drug. That's bad. And these guys aren't doing that. They're not, they're not saying, hey, look, what happened the last time we messed with that? Wasn't good. Wasn't good. And, but we got to get through that. We got to get there. We got to teach them. Train them. Train them up in the way they will go. But the thing is, is no one can escape the consequences for disobeying God. Nobody can. And in Judges, we see it over and over and over again. We see it now. We see it with Christians. We see it with lost people. You got Christians that go so far out that they never return. You have Christians that, that get caught up in things and it ends up costing them their lives. We're no different from the lost world out there. We're no different from them. That's why God wants us to be separate. That's why he wants us to be holy. So we don't get caught up in there because he knows it's going to be hard enough for us. It's hard enough. It's a tough choice choosing Jesus every day. Let alone every second, every minute. But if we would just submit and surrender to him, he can do a lot with that. Not that we'll be perfect, but he can do a lot with that. He can use you. Um, as we get going, though, we got, we'll go into, uh, move along. Uh, Judges uh, 4. Judges 4 and 5. Um, we find out it starts talking about uh, it starts talking about Deborah. Uh, so if you turn to Judges four, verse uh, one through nine, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Heroseth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he might mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, she judged Israel at the time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinam, out of Kadesh Nephtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Nephtali and the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river of Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, and with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, 
said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest, shall thou not be thine hour. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman, and Deborah arose and went with Barak of Kadesh. <clears throat> Here, um, See, this is this is important here, and these are important passages. And if I take a little time, I don't. It's, it's because I want to get it right, and that's because this affects these affect every Christian now as it did back then. And see, right here, what we have is we have uh, Barak there, right? And she, she looks right at him and says, uh, didn't the Lord tell you to do this? Didn't he tell you to do this? What's our excuse? Didn't the Lord tell you? If, some, if the Lord told you to do something, do it. I know at times it's hard and all that, but do it. Because even if you do it with the wrong heart, at least you're obeying. I suggest you do it with the right heart, but at least you're obeying. Now here we get Deborah comes into play. And because there was no men to step up, he used Deborah. Now this is where I, I want to be very careful, okay? <laughs> he used a woman, period. That's how it is. problem comes from is why because a man didn't do what he was supposed to do now we get into all this doctrinal stuff and things like that about what women can do what they can't do and what happens is is men start to worry too much about what women are supposed to do it's not what god tells us to do because there's two sides of this and God, right, God likes balance. God likes just weights. If it's not, what is it? It's an abomination to him. It truly is. Now, you got the one side of Christianity today will say, oh, look, see, a woman can do whatever she wants. She can stand up in front of the pulpit. She could preach. She could do everything. That's not what it says. I have to go what's in the Bible, and that's not what it says. But it does not mean that women are any less. And the example I'm going to use is, when I took over RU, I had no clue what was going on. I asked Shannon a lot of questions. I would have been stupid not to. She's been there for how many years? Right? I mean, let's face it, I'd be stupid not to. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can't get opinions. What it does say is 
the man is responsible for that choice afterwards. That's what it says. So we got to be real careful when we look at things like this and how we're going to portray them to the world. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like I said, it says there, you can clearly see in the New Testament, women are not supposed to be pastors. It doesn't mean they can't preach the gospel, which we got to be, that's another thing we got to be careful about. Everybody is to preach the gospel. And just how it is, you just how it is, not everybody is called to be a pastor. And that's what we have to be careful of because we know women are not to be. But that doesn't mean every man is. But everybody is to preach the gospel, and that's what we have to be careful. Why? Why is everybody supposed to preach the gospel? Because that's what God wants. And then for two. How he uses us individually. I'm not going to meet the people my wife meets. Right? I'm not going to meet some of them. So do we just be quiet? We got to be careful of that. God will use who he wants to use. But let's be clear, he wants to use men. He wants men to step up. Because even if you don't step up, men, you're still responsible. You're still getting it. It, it doesn't matter what you say. You can meet him and say, oh, well, you know, well, you know, I, I, I told my wife to shut up and, and not to do this, and I, I did this and that, and that. Yeah, okay, that's good. I'm glad you did all that. But what did that do? Nothing. Could have cost somebody salvation. But he'll look at you and go, hey, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you said or what you did. You had the final choice to make. And I hold you responsible. And that's what he's going to say to you. Um, I am. I'm glad. I'm glad I, I go to a church where both those pastors have put it on me, my responsibility as a man. I'm the one that's going to be. But I don't. I ask my wife for advice and opinions. Should, but when it comes down to it, it's you're going to be the one that God looks at and says, "Hey, either you made the right choice or you didn't." But he's going to use who he wants, and he uses her here. Right? And look, I get, I get this. And the reason why I get it is because sometimes I don't want to have to do what I want to do. Sometimes I don't. I'm like, no, no. And you know who I got to rely on? I got to rely on my better half to say, get up and do it. Just do it. Isn't that what Deborah's doing here? Going to him and going, will, will you just do it? And what's he do? He makes an excuse. Well, if you go, then I'll go. But if you're not going to go with me, I'm not going to go. Like, oh, okay, you know. 
How many times have we used excuses like that to God? Well, Lord, I really don't want to do this alone. Well, yes, you did do it alone. And you go, no, I'll just, I'll, I'll do it over here. I'll do it if somebody else does it. You know, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while, and I know they go street preaching. I'll, I'll go street preaching because they're going to go today. I'll get a chance to talk to them. Either God told you to go street preaching or he didn't. And if he did, it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't. But that's, that's how we work. That's how our minds work. That's, that's what we want. That's why we have to hold, hold on to the truth. We have to hold on to what we know to be true. Because if we don't, and as soon as we take our eyes off the Lord, we could still have the Lord in our thoughts, but if we don't have our eyes on Him, we're going to start doing the wrong things. We're going to start serving the wrong things. We're going to start going the wrong way. And then we'll need somebody to tell us, hey. Right? Because God will only tell us so many times. And we have to be aware of that. And we have to listen. Sometimes he'll send people to us and say, hey, you need to... Right? I'm sure that's happened to everybody. A message or just somebody dealing with something in their life. And God hits you right there with it. It's like, hey, I... I might need to examine myself right now. I might need to do that. And because the people were unwilling to do that, that's where he has to send in the judges. He does. Hey, you guys better start examining yourself. You better realize where you are. This is what I gave you. This is the promised land, and you guys are destroying it. You're letting other people destroy it because you won't do what I'm asking you to do. We'll go through, um, and uh, i got to speed up here a little bit. Judges, uh, in Judges 6 through 8, um, is the story of Gideon. Um, and we pretty much know all the, we pretty much know the story of Gideon. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of preachers preach on that. And they love it. And it's it's a great message, it's... It's there, and he did what God wanted to him. But Gideon had a problem. Gideon didn't know what to do. You know, the Lord said something, and he goes, well, you know, if, if that's you, you know, here, let me put a fleece out, keep the, you know, keep the fleece wet, but keep the grass dry, keep the grass dry, keep the fleece wet. I, I mean, he just goes on it. And a lot of a lot of people preach on that is and know that you know which it is. It's a good picture of how we do, like keep going back and forth, going back and forth, and going back and forth. But I started seeing this a little differently because we do we do go back and forth. But does that mean that we shouldn't ask God at all? God says, hey, do something. We shouldn't say, God, is, is that what you really want me to do? 
Should we not take time and pray? Should we not go to them and say, is this really what you want us to do? Is this really what you want me to do? We look at it as, as, as Gideon pushed the Lord and, and kept uh, tempting or questioning him or whatever how he is. But what if it, what if we just took it a little bit differently and said, hey, okay, maybe, maybe he did, maybe he did go a little too far, but maybe he says, you know what? I know my God. He says, prove me. Maybe he goes and says, you know what? I should probably test these spirits. Right? Uh, lately, we've been hearing the, the talk about how the church was built, right? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be done. I didn't think it could be possible. I didn't know, you know. I bet you Pastor Legault prayed. I bet you he tested the spirits. I bet you he was like, hey, Lord, is this really what you want? Because I need to be sure. Because if it ain't you, this ain't going to work. Right? 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 21 to 22 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Prove all things. All means all, right? That's how we use the Bible, right? All means all. Prove all things. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And then again, that's where I have to go to balance. We don't have that balance. We don't have that balance because our relationship isn't right with him. And that's what we have to realize. Just because we're doing a certain thing or we're going to church or this or that, it doesn't mean we're right with him. We're only right with him when those things are a byproduct of us doing what he actually wants us to do. Right? If we're not doing what he wants us to do, then it doesn't matter if you come to church. Yeah, does he want you here? Absolutely. But if he said, hey, I need you to do this and you don't do it, stop acting like it's a religion where I, I can come to church and that'll be okay. Because that's what we do. We turn them right into a religion and we are really good at that. We're really good at turning everything around into a religion again instead of just sitting there and relying on him. Instead of testing the Spirit, Lord, okay, told me to do this. Is that what you want? I had to do that with taking over the addictions program. I had to pray. I had to pray. I had people tell me not to take it. I had people tell me to take it. I had people tell my wife that it will be harder on her than it is on me. But in the end, what did I have to do? I had to test the spirits. I had to prove God and say, is this what you want me to do? 
If this is what you want me to do, I will do it. And maybe because we don't ask these questions, maybe because we don't go to God is the reason why well, we don't have 300 men defeating thousands. That's what he did to the impossible. Okay, that's, I'm fine with that. I'll take three. You want to listen? I'll take. I'll give you the victory. I'll let you overcome. Why? Because I had faith. I listened. Because you have faith and because you listen, I will make sure that you get the victory. And that's what, this is what Judges is about. God drew a line. He drew a line and said, you're either here with me or you're over there with them. And the problem is too many people are standing way back there and looking at the line way over there. Or too many people are right on the line. Or too many people are going back and forth. What God wants you to do is be like Gideon, right? Gideon's mentioned in, in, in uh, all faith. What God wants you to do is go right up to that line. Don't cross it. Stand right there and look at the other people. Look them right in the eye and go, this is where I chose to stand. And I'm fine with that. And why? Because God's behind me. And God's on the side of me. And God's right over there by you because he went before me to fight my battle. Right? That's, that's what it's about. But he can't do that if you don't want to listen. He can't do that if you don't want to remember the things that he's given you. If you don't want to come to him humbly. If you don't want to repent. And again, what is it? This whole Bible, I mean, without a doubt, this whole Bible shows God's mercy throughout. Yeah, does it show us punishment and wrath? Absolutely. But that's not what he dwells on. He says, I don't want to do that. I got to mention it, but that's not what I want. Look at my mercy. Come to me. I'm going to give you the victory. You just have to do what's right. You have to listen to me. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the Sunday school hour, Lord, just the message you, you put on my heart. and I just pray the, the morning service will be a blessing to everybody, Lord. I just pray that we can all, we just all worship you, Lord, today and just thank you for your mercy, Lord. And just uh, We know we mess up, Lord. We know we're not great. But we do know that one day we get to see you face to face, Lord, and we do, do so look forward to that, Lord. We just thank you so much, and we pray that you come back soon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.